This is the Sheffield Vineyard Podcast. We love Jesus and we want to be a people that follow him with all of our lives. We love our city of Sheffield and we want to see it full of people who are full of the life that Jesus has to offer. Judy Jetta is a member of Coastline Vineyard in Morrow Bay, California. Around 10 years ago, she started to feel unwell. In 2014, she was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS. She was told that there was no known cause or treatment and that people die from the disease in two to five years. Her symptoms got progressively worse and her arms and legs became weak. Her breathing became difficult and she started to use an oxygen tube during the night. As time went on, so she found it difficult to eat and she started to use a mobility scooter. Understandably, Judy became resentful towards God and she said, I was angry, shaking my fist at God saying, why me? Why this? Why now? Judy had worked uh, for a church in the past as a woman's ministries director and an education pastor, and she didn't feel that she deserved this kind of life. After a while, and with the help of some good friends, she determined, in her own words, not to be a grouchy, complaining, irritable wife and mother and grandmother. I daily asked Jesus for the grace to die well. In 2016, she hired someone to help her do her everyday activities and so as to give her husband some rest. Later that year, she saw a world-renowned neurologist and was told that she had Parkinson's disease as well. Judy and her husband started to attend Coastline Vineyard uh, where they met another couple who prayed for her. They prayed every Sunday that God would heal her cell by cell. And then a year later, Judy saw her neurologist again, who noticed that Judy was getting better. Her legs and arms were getting stronger, and she was able to speak louder. She was able to swallow. And the the neurologist ran some tests, and a few days later, Judy received a phone call. The neurologist said, Mrs Jetta, I think that you only have Parkinson's disease at this point. The tests indicate that you did have ALS and now you don't. I really can't explain it. I've never experienced an ALS reversal, but I'm comfortable saying that you no longer have ALS. The only explanation would be that the doctor performing the EMG was in error, but I don't think that's the case. Judy thought, I know of another explanation. God has healed me. Judy's symptoms continued to improve. She can now dress and shower herself. She rarely uses a wheelchair. She's reinstated her driving license and she can write and type again. She says, while I still have some symptoms from Parkinson's disease, most of the weakness and spasticity of ALS is gone. I am now especially enjoying riding my three-wheel bicycle all over town these days as we've permanently retired to Morrow Bay. And as she reflects on her ordeal, she wrote, 
While the physical healing is nothing short of miraculous, God has also done a deep work in my heart and soul. When you've stared down a terminal disease like ALS and learned to experience the goodness and love of God in the daily details of dying, your entire perspective on life changes. And for that, I am eternally grateful. What an amazing and true story. And today I'm going to talk about supernatural healing. This talk is part of a three-part series called Kingdom Carriers, and it's premised on the idea that the Kingdom of God is present in today's life, and we have a part to play in extending its impact. Rog started off uh, by looking at how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago, and then Jeremy Cook, who's a guest speaker last week, then talked about how to hear God and know what to do. And today we're going to look at why and how we pray for healing. Being filled with the Spirit, hearing God and praying for healing are all great ways to enable us to carry the Lord's kingdom. Now there's so much that could be said on supernatural healing, and I mean that in terms of uh, physical healing or emotional healing and spiritual healing, but we've only got about 20 minutes. And so I'm going to focus on just a few things because I really want to get to do the stuff this morning as well. I want to start by saying that this talk is for everyone. Everyone is invited to play a part in the extending of God's kingdom rule and reign on earth today through healing. Now the Bible talks about the gift of healing, says it in 1 Corinthians 12 30. But I think that if we've not being given a name badge by God that says authorised healer, we still have a calling by God on us to pray for people to be healed. We can do things even if we don't have a gift to do those things. Because, you know, really a gift by God is a bit like a bit of specific added personality. It's something that's so prominent in our lives that we become known for it. And if we don't have a gift of healing, that doesn't mean we can't pray for people to be healed. It just means that we're not going to be known for healing because it's not a standout part of our personality trait. Now, I'm not known for singing and every week Matt doesn't ask me to join the band. In fact, if I would suggest that I should be a singer in one of the bands, I think I know what Matt would say. But that doesn't mean that I can never worship the Lord in song. I can. I just won't be known for doing it. It's not a gift that I have. So look, if you feel that you have a gift from God for healing, great. Go ahead. Pray for people to be healed. But if you know that you haven't got a gift from God for healing, you can still pray for people to be healed. In fact, God wants everyone to be alert to him and to be ready to pray for people to be healed. Everyone. I mean, imagine what what God would say if you were just to indiscriminately pray for healing. I mean, do you think that God would say, oh no, look at her. She's exercising faith and demonstrating compassion for that poorly person. She's speaking with authority in my name and she's praying for a life to be restored. Who gave her the authorised healer badge? She's not on my list of authorised healers. Someone send a thunderbolt. I don't think God thinks like that. 
when thousands of people who had been listening to Jesus talk all day and then got very hungry in the evening, Jesus asked all his disciples to hand out the food in a miraculous way to the people. He got all his disciples to play a part. He didn't say only the disciples who have an, an official miraculous food distribution badge, you know, you can be part of this, but the rest of you, you have to sit to one side, you're on cleanup duty. No, no, he said everyone's to be involved. And everyone is invited to pray for people to be healed. When God, when Jesus talked to his disciples about healing, this is what he said. He said it in Luke 9, verses 1 to 2, and then just skipping on to verse 6. He said, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then just a little bit later he says, So they went out, uh, they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now note here that the, there's connection between the expansion of the kingdom of God and healing. When people are healed, they're much more likely to believe you when you say, oh, by the way, God loves you and he wants for you to know him. Do you want to start that right now? Also note that all the disciples were involved. He only had 12, but they were all given power and authority to cure diseases. Now, the last thing to note here is that the disciples were indeed given power and authority to cure diseases and drive out demons for that matter too. But what does it mean to be given power and authority? Well, put simply, God does the healing, but God has given to us his healing power and his authority to make things change from bad to good. We're rather like police constables. Now, police constables are not the law. I mean, they can't determine what the law should be, but they carry out the power and the authority to ensure that the law is carried out and to stop that which is against the law. So just as a constable carries out legal, uh, uh, legal power and authority, so too we, as followers of Christ, carry his power and authority to heal and to set people free from all the bad stuff. So just to be clear on this, God does the healing, not us, but all Jesus' followers are carriers of God's healing power. Now, one question that often comes up when we talk about healing is, why do some people get healed and others don't? And that's a really real and for many people a hard question to contend with. Now we might know uh, some of the principles why uh, some people are healed and others aren't, but sometimes we'll never know in this life the specific reasons why individuals are not healed. And I think we need to be honest about that. It's okay to say, I don't know. One person even thanked me when I said I don't know because they appreciated the honesty. 
What we can be certain of, though, is that when we pray for healing, there is statistically a greater chance for that person to be healed. I recently listened to a, a podcast which is part of the We Are Vineyard series, and it's where Joshua and Candy Brown documented the healing of blind and deaf people in Mozambique. They gathered empirical evidence, as they would do in any other scientific investigation. They're both scientists. And they documented people who couldn't see or hear well, but after prayer, they could. Now, if I were to do that experiment, you might have good reason to doubt the validity of my work, because I'm not a scientist. But look, this is who Joshua and Candy Brown are. Joshua Brown, PhD, Boston University, is Professor of Psychological and Brain Sciences at Indiana University. He directs the Cognitive Control Laboratory at Indiana, Indiana University, which focuses on functional brain imaging, higher cognitive function, addiction, psychopathology, transcranial electrical neurostimulation, computational neuromodeling, and artificial intelligence. He's authored over 79 peer-reviewed scientific papers in all of these areas, and his work has been featured on the Discovery Channel, NPR, The New York Times, Fox News, and numerous other national and international media. He also directs the Graduate Programme of Neuroscience at Indiana University and serves as the Director of Global Medical Research of the Global Medical Research Institute. Okay, so that's uh, Joshua Bright Cookie. Uh, Candy, Candy Brown, as a PhD in at Harvard University. She's Professor of Religious Studies at Indiana University. And she's authored uh, over six books, including one called Testing Prayer, Science and Healing. So when they talk about prayer and healing, it's worth listening to. The podcast series, series is called We Are Vineyard. I really recommend you go and listen to it. But it remains a fact that some people are not healed when we pray for them. And when that happens, my observations are that those people don't think badly about us. Normally, they are appreciative that we cared enough about them to try. Truth is, I've spent lots of time in prayer for people uh, to be healed and nothing's happened at all. And not once has anyone said anything negative towards me. From their point of view, they've lost nothing, uh, any more than what they already lost, at least. So don't worry about praying for people to be healed. The likelihood is that you're going to be much more apprehensive than them, especially unbelievers, because they have very little expectation that anything's going to happen at all. But when we talk about healing, though, we need to recognise uh, that if we are insensitive, people can be unnecessarily hurt. And so I want to suggest some key values that I think would do us well uh, if we were to remember them as we consider praying for people to be healed. So the first thing, the first thing that we value is the cross of Jesus. You know, the ultimate transformation that we want to see is for us and those around us to step into a full life that comes only through Jesus Christ. Healing brings us closer to the healer. Secondly, the thing that we value is, is that it's not by our achievements that we are healed. 
we don't pray, uh, God, please heal, I don't know, Karen, uh, because she's nice. She works really hard for poorly children and everyone likes her. She does everything right and she helps grannies across the road. Um, so because she's really nice, please can you heal her? And we can't pray a prayer like that because every once in a while you're going to pray for someone who isn't as wonderful as her in every way. To pick a name at random, I don't know, let's go for Matt. When you pray for Matt, you can't say with all honesty the same thing as you could say for Karen because Matt is, for example, belittling in staff meetings and he thinks that all my ideas are stupid. We can't pray according to how good or bad or nice or short-sighted people are. The grounds for our confidence that healing will happen can never come from anything that we deserve. Our confidence comes from a God who moves beyond the realm of fairness and in the realm of grace, unmerited love and power. Our healing comes because of how good he is, not how good we are. Thirdly, we value the Bible. We think that the Bible is the word of God. He invented it and he got people to write it just the way he wanted it to be written. And then over thousands of years, he controlled how the Bible was amassed and how it was printed or downloaded. We believe that God gave to us this book and that it is complete and true and that every part of it is intended to be there. And whilst we might not understand it all or know how to apply it sometimes to our current context, it remains a trustworthy, reliable and an authoritative manual to Christian life. And because we hold the Bible in such high regard, the first thing we should ask when it comes to healing is not, well, does it work? But is it biblical? Now my point here really is, look, don't focus on a healing technique because there isn't one technique that you'll find in the Bible that is guaranteed to heal someone. When you read the Bible, you'll see that, that people got healed by rubbing spit mud in their eyes. Don't do that. Or lying prostrate on them. Really don't do that. Um, some were healed by faith. Others were healed and they had no faith at all on account that they were dead at the time. The only constant that I can see in the healing miracles of Jesus is his compassion for the poorly. And I think that compassion is a really key ingredient. So as we embrace healing, hold firm to the Bible. Fourthly, we value the lead of the Holy Spirit. We should pray for whoever wants to be healed. Uh, Jesus didn't turn anyone away, nor should we. But at the same time, Jesus prayed for specific people who he felt the Father wanted him to pray for. On one occasion, Jesus was walking amid a crowd of people by a pool called uh, Bethsaida in Jerusalem. And he walked up to one person in particular and he said, uh, I just think that I want to heal you. So um, you can read this story in, in John 5 and, and that person was uh, immediately healed. And then later in the chapter, Jesus said that he only does what the Father is doing. 
After Jesus died and rose from the dead and went to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit came along and, and, and became, he came to earth to be with us. And one of his roles is to teach us and help us to do all the things that Jesus talked about. In other words, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and points out what the Father is doing and how you can join in, just as Jesus joined in. And, you know, if I'm with someone and they're talking about a condition they have, be it a physical or emotional condition, I try to listen at the same time to the Holy Spirit. As a, uh, I remember a time when I was uh, with a friend of mine and she said that her eyesight uh, was, was not very good. Um, and she was talking um, to me about all the medical conditions uh, and, and using lots of words that I honestly didn't really understand what she was talking about very much. But at the same time, I was listening to the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, the word mother just popped into my head and I couldn't really get it out. I didn't know whether it was God or whether it was a cheese. Um, but I just asked her, I said, look, does, does your mother, um, does that mean anything to you at this point in time? At which point she just burst into tears. And she said, truth be known, I've got the same eye condition as my mother. And she is now almost blind. And I'm scared that I'm going to be like her in that regard. And so we prayed for her to be healed. And we prayed for her fear. And I called her back uh, a couple of years later because I wanted to get some my facts right. And she said, look, honestly, Alex, my eyes haven't changed. They're neither better nor worse. Um, but I'm no longer scared that I'm going to have the same eyesight as my mother has. I'm free from that fear, which was actually really crippling. And so listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit and being prepared uh, um, to... to to be wrong in your hearing is no bad thing. It, it's The Holy Spirit is never wrong, but sometimes we mishear him. And so it's best to avoid sort of direct proclamations that kind of start with, um, thus saith the Lord. Um, it's much better to, to say something a little bit along the lines of, I think that maybe I'm hearing the Spirit say, blah, 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 but I... I don't know whether it's whether it's it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's the cheese, so bear with me. Lastly, we value the dignity of the person. You know, sometimes our sin needs to be named and a prayer of forgiveness spoken before any healing comes. But if that's necessary, if that is necessary, then, then let's avoid a judgment. Ultimately, we want that person who we're praying for to leave feeling better than when they arrived, even if nothing supernatural has happened at that moment. And the last thing I wanted to mention briefly uh, is a model of prayer that we often use in the vineyard. We find it helpful. It's not a technique that will guarantee success. It's just a helpful five-step process that reminds us of our values that I've just talked about. And so the first step is an interview. It's simply, you know, what's your name? Where does it hurt? 
Now, keep it short. Um, we don't need to know every single protracted detail uh, that's happened over the last 10 years, which has led to this, this moment in time. Uh, at the same time, you do need to listen to that person. They do need to feel valued. Um, so, so let them speak. So somewhere in between those two extremes, um, uh, uh, aim, aim there. And as you're listening to them talk, also try to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then step two is the diagnosis. Consider why do they have that condition? I mean, is it a natural condition? It might be that they have a headache because, well, they hit their head uh, early on in the day. Or it might be that it's a sin. It, it could be a, a sin that's, that they've committed or a sin that's been committed to them. It might be emotional. You know, it could be a headache caused by stress as a result of a, a difficult situation. Or it could be relational, which by which I mean it might be a sort of a lack of forgiveness. It could be a whole load of things. Have a little think about what might be causing this. And as you think all that through, just continue to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Third step is just to pray. If it's appropriate to do so, lay a hand on them. And as you're praying, just continue to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask God to heal them. And look, this is something which is really important. It's great if you can speak directly to the pain and with the power and authority that God has given to you. So speak to the condition, not the person. You might even need to sort of explain to the person you're praying to, I'm going to speak to your condition and not you. It might sound a bit strange, but just bear with me. And then fourthly, await and observe. You know, keep your eyes open and continue to listen to the Holy Spirit and maybe look for some effects of God on them. They, they might be feeling uh, a warm. Uh, they might be, uh, parts of them are sort of going a bit red or, or, or their, their hands might be, might be sweaty. They might shake a bit uh, or start crying. Sometimes people's eyes flicker. There's a whole load of different physical responses uh, that often happens when we pray for healing. And um, Steve Nicholson, who used to lead uh, the Vineyard Church in Chicago, did a most amazing uh, talk uh, on the podcast series called The, the Ferment. Um, so if you can Google that, that's really... He did a whole talk just on the, the physiological um uh, responses of um when, when we pray for healing on, on on people really good to listen to that and just encourage them to remain uh in the presence of the lord but at the same time you can ask them what's happening you know say if you're trying to guess or trying to sort of figure it out through prophetic wisdom um you can just ask them you know, that's the easiest way um, and they might they might sort of disclose something to you, and then just just listen to that, listen to the spirit, and continue to pray. Um, if if they're sort of naturally bringing the prayers to an end, then just stop. I mean, don't force anything at all. That wouldn't be really bad. And then once you've stopped praying, maybe just ask, you know, well, is it better? And and they might say something like, well, actually, um, there's no change whatsoever. Sorry about that. But, you know, thanks for trying. Uh, or it might be that 
They're completely healed in every regard. It's like, wow, that's just amazing. An instant miracle. Or it might be somewhere in between. Sort of a bit, it's a bit better, but it's not wholly there. If that's the case, then you could offer to pray for them again and just go through that little process again. Jesus prayed for the same person more than once sometimes. So if he needed to pray twice, then why don't we? And that's absolutely fine. And then the fifth and final step is the uh, post-prayer direction. You know, whatever the outcome, remind the person that you're praying for that they are loved by God. We know that for absolutely certain in every situation. If they don't go to a church, then why don't you suggest that they do that? That's a great thing to do. Um, if they have been healed, then I would always suggest, um, where appropriate, to go to a GP and make sure that they get a checkup. So don't just tell them to stop taking any critical medicine all of a sudden. That would be a bad thing. Um, and then generally, whilst we're sort of remembering those, those five steps, generally, just gauge the mood. You know, if you're on a bus and you don't have much time and there's everyone looking at you, you need to go about all of this in a sensitive way. Your prayers are going to be a bit quicker. Um, but if you're, say, in church at a, um, a ministry occasion, then you can take, well, all the time you need. And then the second thing is, just don't be weird. It's absolutely fine to be completely normal whilst God does all this stuff. So look, I really hope this has been uh, helpful um, and uh, we're going to pray for some people uh, to be healed now. But if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, why don't you pray for an opportunity to pray for someone to be healed in the coming week? Thanks for listening. We'd love to invite you to be part of the community at Sheffield Vineyard. You can head to the website and find more information about how you can serve, join a life group, and get involved in church life in general. Bless you and have a great week.